Welcome to the podcast for Westside at Jesus Church. We are a family of missionary disciples in West Portland who believe the church is not a religious subculture, but the making of a new humanity. It's not a building or a weekend activity, but a community of multi-ethnic, multi-generational men and women living out the light, love, and hope of Jesus to the world around us. We hope this episode encourages and empowers you to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus as we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How are we today? Man, on Monday, myself along with 562 students and over 150 leaders, we got back. Yeah, give it up for that many leaders that came to camp. We, we came back to Westside in 13 buses from Washington Family Ranch where we had just spent five days prioritizing the presence of God through worship, through teaching, through time spent alone with God, through breaking bread around a table, through debriefing uh, what God was doing in our lives through small group. It was five days of prioritizing the presence of God. And what you guys just saw in that video was just like the tip of the iceberg. Come find anyone on the youth staff or find a young person, ask them if they went to camp and say, tell me about what God did because there's so many stories to tell. And here's the thing, I've been going to camp either as a camper or as a leader for the last like 11 years of my life. And I can tell you with confidence that I have never seen an outpouring of the Holy Spirit quite like we just did at Washington Family Ranch. It's incredible. Incredible. So I don't want to jump into today's teaching without just saying thank you to this church family. Like, genuinely, like, I thank you for the ways that you help support and make this camp happen through your prayers. We felt so covered in prayer. For a lot of you, it was through your presence. I'm looking at Tim, who grinded it out on work crew, along with so many others. It was through your presence that you served and made camp happen. And then so many of you here this morning, you gave towards camp. You helped scholarship a student. I just want you to know that every single student that needed and asked for a scholarship was able to give one because of your generosity. So thank you, it's amazing, it's amazing. Well, last week we turned a corner in our Receive the Holy Spirit series. We made this shift into unpacking the stuff that the Spirit does. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, in an effort to really help the church in Corinth understand that diversity, not uniformity, is essential for a healthy church, Paul, in order to do that and help lead them into that, he kind of lays out this lengthy list though it's non-exhaustive, a lengthy list of different things that represent the diversity of the Spirit's manifestation. Like Tim mentioned last week, for the sake of our study in this text uh, and wanting to grow in both our understanding and our partnership with the Holy Spirit, we've split this list up into two groups. Last week, Tim absolutely crushed it by unpacking the stuff that falls under the words category of, of the way that God moves by His Spirit for the common 
common good through words. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that teaching, I highly encourage you to go back and listen. Today's gonna function as a part two as we look at the second uh, category that this list is made up of, and it's ways that the Spirit moves in deeds. Ways that the Spirit moves in deeds. So you're gonna need a Bible. If you've got one, go ahead and open up with me to 1 Corinthians 12. If you don't have one, we've got people that are ready to give you one. You can just throw up your hand and begin to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And while you're getting there, I'm gonna invite my friend Todd on up to the stage. Give it up for Todd, everybody. Todd was with me in the trenches this past week at Washington Family Ranch. He's one of our small group leaders and he's amazing. If you don't know Todd, you should get to know him. But he's gonna read our text this morning. If you would, for the standing of God's word, let's go ahead and stand together if you're able. All right, today's teaching text, 1 Corinthians 12, verses four through 11. There are many different, or sorry, start again. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given to the common good, for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that same spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Amen, this is the word of the Lord. You can be seated, thanks Todd. So Paul in this text, if you caught it, he lays out three ways that the spirit moves in deeds. And again, this list is not exhaustive, but he highlights three ways that the spirit moves in deeds through faith, through gifts of healing, and through miraculous powers. And I love that we got, to, we got to kick off our time together by seeing a bit of a recap of what God did at camp because so many of the testimonies of what God did at camp that we just listened to, they tie perfectly into today's teaching because they are all a result of the stuff that the Spirit does, the stuff that He does in and through His people. I don't know if you caught it, but the guy that shared the first testimony in the red shirt, he couldn't help describe how God met him other than using the word, it was a miracle. Did you catch that? It was a miracle. God moves in the miraculous today. And there is so much in this time together that we could unpack that not one teaching is gonna like solve all of our problems or answer all of our questions. But I do wanna put a resource uh, in front of you that I've found to be incredibly helpful. And it's a book by the name of Power Healing. So if you're like, I want to know more, I wanna do a deep dive on this, I highly recommend that you pick this book up, Power Healing. It's by John Wimber and Kevin Springer. He tackles so many different uh, sticking points points that we often come across when we open up the topic of healing and God moving in the miraculous. So if you want a deeper study, definitely check that out. I'm going to be pulling lots from this book in today's teaching, but I just want to acknowledge that we all come into this conversations with all sorts of different experiences cultural influence, theological backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. If I could just take a moment to acknowledge the irony of this moment right now as the girl who is teaching on healing, but has yet not encountered or experienced the, feel, the physical healing that I've longed for for the better of 16 years of my life. We can acknowledge that. 
And that shapes very much my experience and understanding coming into this teaching. And even in my preparation, and especially over these last years, God has continually met me and taken me deeper, causing me always, inviting me lovingly always to lay down my expectation and my experience just for a moment to make sure that I'm prioritizing his presence and seeking to obey him in all that he said, not just some of what he said. Not just some of what he said. And so I wanna start, Tim's words last week, they were such a sobering reminder. I like, as I was listening back to the teaching, I wrote this down because I feel like we need a, a moment of orienting our heart's posture, our heart's posture towards this topic because of the various experiences that we all come from. Tim's words were so strong, so he said this, we need to be careful about measuring our obedience to the scripture by what makes us more or less uncomfortable. Those are hard but good words, a strong reminder for us as we enter into this topic. And the introduction of this book, which I just so happen to read, usually I'm that girl that skips the introduction because I'm like, more pages that aren't actually necessary, like I'm just gonna skip on by those. But I actually read the introduction to this book and it's so good. And it also provides this really helpful moment of, of orientation. The, the, the introduction in this book is written by Richard Foster. And he says this, this is a bit of a longer quote, but just like let this help lead your heart into what I believe God has for us this morning. Richard Foster writes this. He says, and he's writing this from a place of seeking to know God as healer and participate in his healing ministry. He says this, it encourages us to believe that God is good and that he longs to pour out his goodness into our hearts and lives. It warns against locking God into a safe, distant past. It urges us to invite the winds of the Holy Spirit to blow freely, saving and healing, loving and forgiving. Miracles and healings of all kinds and classes are simply part of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. They should be received gladly as one vital aspect of the normal Christian life. While these endowments are wonderful beyond the telling, nothing special needs to be made of them since simple goodness and daily obedience are far more central to our life with God. That's good. Understanding these matters though is of supreme importance for one of the greatest hindrances today to the free exercise of the ministry of divine healing is the tendency to view it as some sort of big deal. Frankly, the religion of the big deal, it stands in opposition to the way of Christ. It is the spirit that can lead to the cruelest, it is this spirit that can lead to the cruelest of excesses. But when we see divine healing as simply part of the normal life of the people of God, we are freed from elevating one ministry above another. Seen in this light, healing prayer, catch this, Healing prayer is merely a way of showing love to God's people in need. Healing, physical and otherwise, is the natural outflow of compassion, both God's and ours. Well put. Foster's words here, they help us to rightly place healing and the miraculous as something that is the natural outflow of the inbreaking kingdom of God. And we see this most clearly in the life and the ministry of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, number one, healing is at the heart 
of Jesus's ministry. Healing is at the heart of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't an afterthought. Healing wasn't like background noise throughout the gospels or something that was like off to the side. It was at the heart of Jesus' life work. At the start of Jesus' public ministry in Luke 4, I feel like every time I teach, I end up bringing up Luke 4 for one reason or another. So here we are again, Luke chapter 4. In Luke 4, Jesus, he stands up in the synagogue and he essentially says, hey, I'm here and I'm here to bring the kingdom. And this is what the kingdom of God looks like. The blind restored sight, the lame walking, freedom from, for prisoners and for the poor and the oppressed. Faith, healing, and the miraculous, friends, are signs of the presence and the power of God's kingdom. The presence and the power of God's kingdom. In Mark 1, 15, Jesus, he announced that the kingdom of God was near. And then immediately after he announces that truth, he begins to heal. He begins healing the sick. He begins casting demons out. Catch this, 38.5% of the stories in the four gospels are devoted to describing Jesus's healing miracles. 38.5%, that's a lot, 38.5%. And these healing miracles, according to the New Testament, if you just kind of like peruse through the New Testament, you start to realize that they concern way more than just the physical or the spiritual wholeness that God desires for us. God's healing hand, don't miss this, God's healing hand reaches into every aspect of human life that can come under the power or influence of the enemy. So it's more than just physical or spiritual healing that Jesus is after. Divine healing then, it's, it's for our bodies, it's for our emotions, our mind and our spirit. This means that divine healing looks like this, forgiveness of sin, restoration from sickness, breaking the hold of poverty and oppressive social structures. It means deliverance from demonic power and influence, and it means raising from the dead. This is what divine healing covers. It's all encompassing. And we know that it's all encompassing. We know that God's healing reaches into every part of our life, every aspect of our life because of the Greek words that are used for that word heal. One of them is the word eomai, which means to heal or to make whole. Healing, it's comprehensive in its nature. This is important for us to grasp. Sometimes I think we just think of healing in one way, which is just like physical healing, but it's so much more than that. It touches every part of our life because again, the kingdom of God has come to create a new order, a new creation. Another word that's used for healing that's really helpful in this context and understanding God's heart for our wholeness is the word sozo. Can you guys say sozo? sozo. You awake, you're with me. Sozo means to save or to make alive, to save or to make alive, which means that to heal refers both to spiritual and physical healing or salvation. Spiritual healing, and I, I, this is an important note, spiritual healing is for right now. Without a doubt, it is for right now. And on this twofold meaning of, of healing, John Wilkinson, he writes this. This is really helpful. It's clear 
that Sozo's wide application in the Gospels indicates that the Christian concept of healing and the Christian concept of salvation, they overlap to a degree which varies in different situations, but are never completely separable. Healing of the body, this is so good. Healing of the body is never purely physical. And the salvation of the soul is never purely spiritual, but both are combining the total deliverance of the whole man, deliverance which is foreshadowed in and illustrated in the healing miracles of Jesus in the gospels. It's so good. I love how those are, they're really hard to separate. In fact, you really can't separate that idea of healing and salvation. While we were at camp this past week, I got to hear a bit of David's story. David's actually right here with us right now. And he's given me permission to share just a bit of his story. This is just a snapshot. But about four months ago, uh, God began to just go hard after David's life and began to just set him on a journey of leading him into wholeness. And that started by way of invitation. His neighbor, Tanisha, who's sitting right next to him, uh, is neighbors with David. And as her kids were playing outside, she got to know David and just sensed God's pull on her heart to invite David to come to camp. Tanisha's kids aren't even in high school, but she's like, David, I think that, I think you should go to camp. It's gonna be amazing, do you wanna go? And David courageously, he says yes, he accepts the invitation without really knowing anybody. I don't know if you knew anyone going to camp, maybe a little bit, he says just now. Uh, he knew a couple of people, but he shows up to camp. And David tells this story of how God met him. I have the voice recording, it's so good, but these are just some snapshots from what he shared with Keithan, who was our camp speaker this past week. David described a moment of going into one of the evening sessions, and he talked about how before he went in, he was feeling like really sick, like he was feeling nauseous, his stomach hurt, he had a headache. He literally said, everything that could hurt, hurt to the point that he went up and told his small group leader who was Todd, I didn't even put the pieces together that like Todd, who you guys just met was also David's leader. This is fun how this is all working out. But David goes up to Todd and he's like, listen, man, I'm not feeling good. Like I'm feeling so bad. I don't think I can go into session. And Todd's like a kind, compassionate person. He's like, no worries, man. If you need to hang out outside during this session, that's okay. So David, he kind of like mulls it over and he describes as he was t sharing this story, he says, I just had a sense that I needed to stay. It was like the spirit, not knowing that it was the spirit yet, was saying, hey, just stay. I've got you, just stay in the session. And so he does. He doesn't go outside, he just stays in the session. And then David begins to describe that as Keithan began to preach the gospel, slowly but surely, all of the sickness that he felt begin to go away. He said, nothing crazy happened, but I just noticed that I was starting to feel better. And even just to give you a picture, David was feeling so bad, he was like sprawled out on the ground. We were all sitting on the ground on these steps and he was just kind of sprawled out because he was feeling so bad. And he said, as, as the gospel was being preached, I just progressively started to feel better. And then Keithan gave the invitation to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I just immediately stood up and I knew that here in this moment, that was for me. So David, he, yes. So 
So David stands up, he professes Jesus Christ is not only Lord, but now the Lord of his life. And he was so overwhelmed, he went outside and he began to notice that all of the sickness, not just some of it, but all of the sickness that he felt was absolutely gone. He said it felt amazing. He described it as it felt like I had just drank six Red Bulls, but without the like bad feeling of drinking six Red Bulls. He's like, I just had this energy and this joy like I've never experienced before. He said the next evening session, his friends were so taken aback by David's newfound joy of the Lord that was now his strength as he just declared the praise of God in worship. His friends were in awe. This wasn't the same David that entered into camp. David's story reminds us how healing of the body is never purely physical and how salvation of the soul is never purely spiritual. So healing, we got this. Healing was central to Jesus's ministry. But point number two, Jesus isn't the only one healing. We've covered this a lot over the last few months, especially as we did a deep dive in the book of Acts. Jesus isn't the only one healing. In fact, in order to effectively advance the kingdom of God on the earth as it is in heaven, Jesus equipped the disciples to heal. Look at Luke 9 with me. Luke 9 verses 1 through 2, it says this, And he called the 12 together and he gave them, Jesus gave them the power and the authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. The healing work of God is so big and so vast that he actually recruits people to help him on his mission of bringing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And here's what's wild is not only was healing central to the ministry of Jesus and not only were his disciples equipped to then go out and heal, but Jesus, he also invites you and I, us, to be a part of his healing work in the world today. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus told the disciples to go and to make disciples of all nations. This is the great commissioning moment of Jesus. And he's teaching them, the scripture says, to obey everything that he had commanded them. In other words, Jesus in this commissioning moment is saying, hey, continue my ministry, continue to carry out my ministry. And that ministry, friends, included praying for and healing the sick. So what does that mean for us? This means, and I want all heads up, catch this. This means that because you and I have the spirit of God living in us and that we have both been commissioned and commanded to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us, we are called then to be a vessel of healing in the here and now, to be a vessel of healing in the here and now. This is good news. This is good news. Healing, it happens today. And one of the ways that it happens is through us partnering with the presence of God through prayer, through prayer. Now, obviously it's like, okay, this is good news. But if you're anything like like me who can sometimes be a bit skeptical, your mind might start to wondering, then why don't we see more of it? 
And this could be a whole other teaching, and there's lots of incredible resources on this topic of like stuff that stands in the way. But for us, I just sense that the Spirit wants to keep us, keep uh, one thing in mind for us as we navigate this waters that I think is actually really prevalent in the city of Portland that we live in. One of the things that is standing in the way, it's these two philosophical pillars that essentially hold up our secularized Western worldview. And those two philosophical pillars are materialism and rationalism. Materialism means it's this belief that says nothing exists except matter and its movements and modifications. Rationalism says the only, everything happens, everything that happens has a rational explanation for it. So you've got materialism and rationalism that are like these two pillars that hold up our modern secularized Western worldview. And none of us are immune from this thinking. This is the culture, this is the air that we breathe, friends. And so if we're gonna fight back in this contested space and seek to partner with the spirit of God in bringing healing in the here and now, we have to be awake. We have to be awake of this reality and aware of the ways that we've maybe intentionally or unintentionally allowed it to shape our understanding of how God heals and in some ways how we've allowed this way of thinking to put God in a box. I believe that he wants us to wake up even right now in this moment because this is a real thing that is standing in the way of healing breaking out and his kingdom being advancing in the here and now. Materialism and rationalism makes it really difficult to accept supernatural intervention of any kind. So we have to be aware, we have to be awake of how this can actually seep into how we approach this topic and more than that, how we engage in partnership with the presence of God through prayer. Are you tracking with me? Again, there's lots of other obstacles that stand in the way. I think for many of us, we've just had poor models. I think that, that, that we've been exposed maybe over the years to some poor theology and just poor models where, where those models of healing ministry have become warped with or emphasize the wrong things like money or influence. And because of those poor models, it can come, sometimes stand in the way of being open, much less participating in the healing work of God. But here's what I want us to know, that I wanna call us back to that moment of orientation we had at the beginning, which is a call then to pursue obedience in the face of falling to the cultural tide, bad theology or bad models. It's okay for us to acknowledge those realities, to even grieve those realities, but let us not allow them to stand in the way of God's inbreaking kingdom in the here and now. John Wimber, he writes this, one of the most compelling reasons to pray for the sick, and despite all of those other obstacles, poor models, et cetera, that stand in the way, one of the most compelling reasons to pray for the sick is that Jesus healed many. I love how simple that is. He goes on to say, if he is our model of faith and practice, we cannot ignore his healing ministry. We cannot ignore his healing ministry. So taking a step further, friends, as we seek to be people that partner with the Spirit's work of healing, it's important to remember this, and this is, this is essential, it's imperative. And it's this, that all healing has to be set in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. 
All healing has to be set in the now and the not yet kingdom of God. Around the time of my diagnosis of muscular dystrophy, it was about a year after being diagnosed, um, my brother had plans to go with some friends up to Lexington, Kentucky, which was about an hour uh, outside of our hometown to attend a conference. And it was a conference all about the power and love of Jesus. And the guy that was teaching had a powerful healing ministry, which basically just meant everywhere he went, he made space to pray and made space for the spirit to come and move and heal in that moment. My brother had never been to anything like this, but the night before he left for this conference, he was in a soccer game and, and really badly injured his wrist to the point where he had a soft cast on it and it, it hurt really, really bad. It hurt so bad that he was questioning whether or not he would go the next day to this conference. But of course, uh, the peer pressure of his great friends influenced him to go anyway. And so he went and he finds himself at this conference and the teacher, he, he has a call for healing. And my brother, he goes up to receive prayer. He finds the guy who had just taught and he goes up to him, sorry, this is emotional for me. My brother goes up and he asks for my healing. He says, my sister, she has this diagnosis and I just wanna see her healed. And as the guy is standing there listening to my brother, he says, okay, yeah, let's pray for that. And I noticed that you have a cast on your wrist. Um, can we pray for your healing as well? And my brother said, sure, but make sure you pray for my sister. And so he begins to pray and to my brother's absolute surprise, he starts to notice all of the pain in his wrist gone. In that moment, he takes off the soft cast that was on his wrist and he stands in amazement as he realized that he had received the healing touch of Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. So he's in awe, he's in amazement. And about 20 minutes later, I'm back home and I see a call coming in from my brother. And he gets on the phone and all I hear are tears. And he's just weeping. And he's not weeping tears of joy because of his own healing. He's weeping tears of anguish because he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand he asked for my healing, but he's sitting there with his own. And what I want you to hear is this, what I believe is that the tears of my brother in that moment, just like so many of you who have shed similar tears as you've waited for the miracle to break in, those tears are the language of the heartbreaking tension of the now and the not yet of God's kingdom that we live in. Those tears, that sadness, some of that confusion over why am I being healed but you're not? Why are some healed and others not? That I believe is not something that I can give a clean cut theological answer to or sum up in a couple quick definitions. I believe that those tears are the language that define and describe the tension that you and I all live in, which is the now and the not yet kingdom of God. 
describing this tension, Wimber, he writes this, the fact that we're living between the first and the second coming of Christ, what George Ladd calls living between the already and not yet, provides the interpretive key for understanding why the physical healing that Christ secured for us through the atonement is not always experienced today. His sovereignty, lordship, and kingdom are what bring healing. Our part is to pray thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, and to trust him for whatever healing comes from his gracious hand. And if in this age it does not come, then we still have assurance from the atonement that it will come in the age to come. To paraphrase, because the kingdom is now, people get healed today. Because the kingdom is not yet, not all get healed. This is the tension, friends, that we have to live in. People, when they approach this topic, it's much easier and there's a tendency within all of us to have a really black and white answer. We either wanna say his healing is all now or it's all not yet. But the life and ministry of Jesus says something different. There are moments in Jesus's life and ministry where he describes the kingdom as right now. And we see his inbreaking kingdom look like healing and the miraculous breaking out all around him. And then there are different parts in his ministry where he describes the kingdom of God as not yet. And therefore many that he passed by did not get healed. We are in the middle. We're in this middle space. And as we're in this middle space, this now and the not yet, it's important for us to also remember that all healing on this side of eternity is temporary at best, is temporary at best. So a few words as we close on how to show up to this middle space that we all live in, just a few things. Number one, may we be a people And if I could just speak to this community right now, may we be a people that shows up to the middle space and remains open, remains open, open to the stuff that the spirit does. I think that there's so much space here to acknowledge and then to grieve our unanswered prayers for healing. To be totally honest with you in preparation for this teaching, I'm believing in faith for my own and grieving the fact that it has not come through yet. Those are real tears that Jordan and I cry on a regular basis. And the middle space welcomes the acknowledgement and the grief of that reality. In a lot of ways, I think it's easier to just believe that God doesn't heal or at least to just stop praying or asking because waiting in that middle space is really hard, is really hard. I was reminded this week that another word for wait is abide. Another word for wait in the scriptures is abide. And here's what I want to say to us, I believe that for some of us, the healing work that God's gonna do in our midst is, is the breaking off of apathy. It's the breaking off of apathy. It is so easy in the middle space to become apathetic and hard-hearted to the stuff that the Spirit does because our circumstances and our experience doesn't agree with the person and work of Jesus. 
But God, he invites us to move past, to lay down our apathy and to abide, to abide in him. Let's be a people that chooses abiding over apathy. Our God is faithful to continually meet us with his comfort. He's faithful to do that. And as we wait in the middle space, I want us to hold tight to 2 Peter 1.3 and the promise that we have in this passage, which says his divine power has given us right now in this moment, everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I believe that as I wait in faith and in hope for my own miracle and physical healing, that he has given me right now in this moment, everything that I need to continue to live life to the full in him. Our waiting does not mean that we sit back and put life on complete hold. No, we wait in hope, we abide in him. As I've waited for my own physical healing, God has taken me on such a deep journey of internal healing. That's a story for another time. But as I've showed up to the painful nature of that tension of the middle space, God has done a work of freeing me from so many lies, freeing me from different parts of of my walk with Jesus that to be honest, I just have a lack of belief in. He has done such a deep, inner healing in my life. And that has been the gift of showing up to that middle space, awake, abiding in him in the whole of every moment. So let us remain open. Number two, let us be a people that asks, that asks. And when I say ask, I mean this in two ways. Number one, let us ask God in prayer for healing. Let's not give up on asking. Let's be persistent in our prayers in asking for healing. And number two, when it comes to ask, let's ask other people to pray for their healing. And, and there's a couple words of caution here because I've had some really funky experience when people want to pray for my healing. I've got a lot of weird stories I could tell that would definitely give you a good laugh. But I, I, I leave so discouraged when someone wants to pray for my healing and they, they come at me with this tone of like, I believe that God wants me to pray for your healing. Do you believe, like, do you have no doubt? Do you have complete and total faith? And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I think so. Yes, like I believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I love that text. I love that. Like help me in my unbelief. When we ask to pray for people in their healing, I love C.S. Lewis's reminder. He says, hey, let's remember that, that Jesus's words are feed my sheep, not experiment on my rats. We have to keep that in mind when we're praying for people's healing. God wants to pour out his love and compassion. He is a God that loves to give and to forgive and to heal. And so moved by his own love for us, let's show up, let's pray bold prayers for healing, motivated by his heart for love so that we live people feeling more full and more confident of his unwavering love for us. You catch me? Does that make sense? Lastly. As we remain open and ask, let us also trust him with the outcome. Trust him with the outcome. God keeps bringing this verse to my mind. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure this hope 
the power of the gospel and the presence of the Holy Spirit in pots. I think that we need to be reminded this morning that we are the pot, not the power. We are the pot, not the power. Our role is to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then trust him with the outcomes. Trust him with the outcomes. We can trust him. As Jordan and I were processing our own grief around this subject, Jordan looked at me and he said, here's the thing, even if it doesn't happen, it's still on the way. Even if it doesn't happen, it's still on the way. Friends, there will come a day when the kingdom of God will be fully established. The healing of all humanity is what is on the horizon that Jesus is leading us all towards where there will be no more death, no more disease, no more racism, no more war, no more hate. A world set free from all evil and its effects. Right now, we're in the middle. And as we wait in the middle, let us remain open, continue asking, and trust him with the outcomes. Let me pray with you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we declare right now that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that for those of us whose hearts maybe feel hardened or whose lives feel closed off, that you right now would begin to soften us. That by your spirit right now, you would be comforting those who find themselves in the anguish of that middle space. Would you restore hope? Would you increase faith? And would you move in the miraculous as a way of just saying, God, I'm open to you. Let's just all across this room, would you just open up your hands? If this is true for you, let's just open up our hands and just give God permission. Just have a sense right now that God just wants to meet us with his presence. For some right now, maybe shame is the thing that's standing in the way of being able to receive. Just declare right now in the authority of Jesus, I just bind up shame in Jesus' name and loosen your grace over us right now. Come Holy Spirit. God, we give you permission to move. We say, come Holy Spirit, move in power. We believe, God, that you are able. I just have a sense right now, too, that God wants to speak to those who have not yet put their faith and trust in him. Maybe as you've been listening, you've sensed the spirit almost like um, a check engine light on your dashboard, the check engine light of your heart and of your life is blinking and the spirit right now is just wanting to say, hey, pay attention. If that's true for anyone in this room right now who's not yet given their life to you, would you give them the courage 
to find someone in the room to say, hey, I wanna follow after this Jesus. I wanna give my life to him. Holy Spirit, come. We're open. We say, do whatever you want to.